Chapter Five of the Heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: The Closed Door. The old Eggleston Place, as it had been called through three generations of that name, lay well back from the town in a lap of the hills commanding a view of the river embowered in trees and of the more distant river glassing the sky in long lazy reaches between its low green banks miss minerva eggleston the only surviving daughter of the squire had lived in the old house for more years than any one of her neighbours cared to count cultivating its impoverished acres with the aid of a superannuated farmhand who had worked on the place since his early youth some thirty years previous there had been a persistent rumour to the effect that nathan shedd was madly in love with his employer's daughter and that miss minerva a handsome robust girl with two years of boarding-school to her credit had very properly flouted him but with unmerited scorn and contumely yet the years avenged nathan miss minerva despite her accomplishments and the undeniable comeliness of her face remained unwed one by one her kith and kin died and were buried under the pointing shadow of the tall eggleston monument till at the last miss minerva found herself on the downhill road from her forty-ninth birthday and only the quasi-possessor of the big shabby house in the midst of its heavily mortgaged acres this much is sober history what follows might well be the highly embellished tale of a coterie of country gossips but it is said that on the morning after the old squire's funeral nathan shedd walked into the kitchen where miss minerva eggleston was washing up the dishes slow tears dropping down her faded cheeks not it may be supposed out of grief for the old squire who had died to all intents and purposes more than a year before of a stroke of paralysis but because she thus tardily realized herself alone and lonely on a long and dismal road of life there were only those two in the big farm kitchen and neither of them ever spoke of what happened so it must have been the chickadee who told she was perched on the lilac bush just outside the window her wise brown head cocked to one side her bright eyes fixed on the pair inside the kitchen nathan's shed stood staring at miss minerva without saying a word while she polished and polished the old knives and forks after a while he cleared his throat i've been thinking he said i've been thinking things over since yesterday oh have you nate said miss minerva wiping her tears on the corner of her apron nathan's voice sounded curiously hard to miss minerva and she looked at him beseechingly out of the corner of her wet reddened eyes he was dressed she noticed in a new suit of blue serge she'd never laid eyes on before and his shirt and his collar and his necktie were all new he was shaved too although it was only the middle of the week but that she laid to the funeral being the day before i've been thinking he said still in that slow hard voice about you minerva well she murmured dull and heavy with crying hm. you ain't so rich as you once was minerva he went on numbering the counts of his indictment on the fingers of his left hand and you ain't so young as you was by thirty years say i'm forty-nine she told him defiantly 
you ain't so handsome as you used to be not by a long chalk he persisted like a boy who has learned his piece and is bound to speak it two big tears dropped into the dishpan no woman likes to hear the sort of thing he was saying in that hard voice of his your folks are all dead he reminded her with unnecessary cruelty and i'm going west i thought maybe i'd better tell you at that she burst right out crying and turned to run out of the room but somehow being all blind with tears she ran into nathan's arms which were outspread to catch her they were married the next week then it came out that nathan's shed had been steadily growing richer all the while miss minerva by slow and painful degrees was slipping into poverty during the thirty-odd years he had worked on the old eggleston place enduring as best he might the scorn in miss minerva's eyes he had thriftily saved many dollars investing them all in western farmlands the reverend silas pettibone and his wife jogging along the country road behind the minister's old sorrel horse were talking over this sober romance i always felt so sorry for miss minerva because nathan insisted on going west said the minister's wife sentimentally as they turned in at the big ivy-covered gateposts she must have loved this old place i think nathan did exactly right differed the minister with some positiveness don't you see my dear if they had remained here miss minerva's pride would always have stood between them like a barrier she would have been secretly ashamed to the end of the chapter to think that after all she had married the old squire's hired man out in oregon she is merely the wife of that prosperous landowner nathan shedd nobody knows or cares that she was once the handsomest girl in innisfield and the daughter of a rich man no my dear it is sometimes best to wash the slate clean and begin the problem all over again he helped his wife from the old-fashioned buggy with a careful hand having an eye to the muddy wheel and the shining folds of her best gown how nice you look miss philura he said gently that uh, black and purple stuff is quite becoming after all the little lady blushed and smiled i haven't worn it often she said shaking out the heavy brocade it is almost too rich and handsome for church socials and we have so few weddings in the parish <laughs> let me see wasn't that almost a wedding gown he inquired with gentle jocularity mrs pettibone had turned her head and was looking at the big house half hid in overgrown shrubbery do you know she said i thought for a moment i saw a face at the window looking at us but it disappeared directly the minister was brushing a few hairs strayed from the old sorrel's back off his second best preaching coat well my dear that wouldn't be so very surprising would it i don't suppose many people have called on the family as yet he walked deliberately yet with a certain kindly authority toward the front door withdrawn under its deep pillared portico with an air of dignified reserve it doesn't look as if anybody lived here said his wife glancing about half timidly i have mrs buckthorn's testimony to the contrary to say nothing of your own my dear quoth the minister cheerfully 
he had already pulled the rusted bell handle and now stood a tentative smile on his lips confidently awaiting the opening of the tall heavily panelled door there were narrow windows of leaded glass on either side and mrs pettibone's bright eyes dwelt meditatively on the grey cobwebs swinging like tattered curtains in the april air high up in the tops of the dense evergreens a lonely little wind was sighing and from a long way off the cawing of a flight of crows against the clouded blue of the sky came faintly to the ear the smile slowly faded from the minister's face he appeared to be listening with bent head to the intermittent dropping of water from a broken leaden pipe into the depths of a subterranean cistern perhaps ventured mrs pettibone under her breath uh, the doorbell she stopped short her face assuming the discreetly cheerful look of one about to greet a stranger did you hear she whispered after a lengthening pause a step he finished i fancy i heard a board creak inside but uh, he applied his knuckles smartly to the door if there is anyone at home i imagine they'll hear that he observed but the door remained fast the sound from within whatever its nature was not repeated a dark cloud passed overhead well said the minister doubtfully i'm afraid we are wasting valuable time and it looks like a shower murmured his companion i really wish i'd worn my alpaca but mr pettibone was not attending he stepped off the portico with an air of fresh resolve you might wait here my dear he suggested i'll go around the house i remember in miss minerva's day we always used the side entrance left to herself mrs pettibone perched her small person gingerly on the edge of a wooden bench built into the side of the porch in more hospitable days the wind in the treetops had by now deepened into a soft all-pervasive roar mrs pettibone smoothed down the folds of her gown gathered providently from a too intimate contact with the brick floor there were piles of damp leaves under the opposite bench she observed and decided that for once the omniscient mrs buckthorn had been mistaken but on the other hand she had certainly met a girl walking in the woods behind the house only the week before she recalled once more the tall hurrying figure the stormy beauty of the face under its wind-blown tresses the girl was bareheaded and mrs pettibone had noted particularly the heavy reddish hair hanging in a long untidy braid for the rest the stranger had appeared like a schoolgirl in her blue serge frock with its sailor blouse and short skirt she had been crying with homesickness no doubt mrs pettibone recalled the big dark eyes reddened and brimming with arrested tears really i don't know when i've ever felt so embarrassed the minister's wife told herself as she absent-mindedly smoothed and patted the large black leaves sprawled vaguely upon the dim purple background of the brocade across her knee how curiously everything linked itself to something else the black and purple brocade almost before she was aware of the transition had carried her thoughts quite away from the vivid presence of the strange girl under the wind-blown trees to other and more intimate scenes of her own past how distinctly she remembered the morning when the expressman left the flat oblong package it had come from boston from cousin caroline van duser as she guessed at once 
she had written to cousin caroline informing her of her contemplated marriage to mr pettibone and here was the reply in tangible form she knew of course that it was something to make over mrs van duser like some stately galleons sailing over life's stormy sea trailed behind her a frothing wake of dresses cloaks and bonnets all of the choicest and most expensive materials many women of mrs van duser's acquaintance unblushingly sold their cast-off finery haggling viciously behind the closed doors of their boudoirs with certain shrill-voiced hook-nosed women from dubious shops in east boston others less avaricious or more indolent abandoned the flotsam and jetsam of a fashionable career to their maids but not so mrs van duser this estimable lady while piously recognising the decrees of a providence which saw fit to hooray her own ample person with a magnificence akin to that of solomon in all his glory was disposed to regard her outworn clothing in the light of a sacred obligation to those less richly provided for no one could realise more deeply than mrs van duser the incalculable detriment wrought by unthinking gifts of finery to those destined by the same discreet providence to a lowly station in life upon philura rice she had been in the habit of bestowing certain substantial garments mostly of woollen materials and sober inconspicuous hues saved moreover from a too recent and fashionable appearance by a ripening sojourn in mrs van duser's attic philura rice was a distant a very distant relative of mrs van duser and an entirely worthy person in her own plane of existence a plane be it understood far removed from the orbit in which mrs van duser revolved in majestic splendour mrs van duser had not approved of philura rice's marriage to the rev silas pettibone philura she felt had been guilty of climbing up some other way to make use of a scriptural phrase somehow outwitting providence which had plainly indicated the humbler path of solitary spinsterhood still since philura appeared bent upon rushing in where angels feared to tread she would look over the contents of her wardrobe of the year before last with a view to the approaching event mrs pettibone still gently and absent-mindedly patting the skirt of her gown as she listened to the rising wind in the tree-tops recalled once more the agitated and hopeful beating of her heart as she painstakingly unknotted the stout string which tied the package from boston she was hoping foolishly almost sinfully she told herself that cousin caroline had sent her a white dress or at the least a soft grey of the shimmering satin coloured like the breast of a dove which mrs van duser had elected as her favourite garb of state the garment within as she had already been apprised by letter was in mrs van duser's estimation a most suitable dress for the occasion of the marriage when at last the cover was off and the string carefully rolled into a neat ball miss philura had lifted the shrouding folds of tissue paper to find this she could never forget the shock of surprise and disappointment when at last she found courage to lift the stiff heavy brocade from its wrappings tears there had been in those first moments then determined revolt i will not be married in a black and purple dress she had declared to the surrounding silence which later had revealed itself as both intelligent and beneficent though at the moment it was voiceless of inspiration or even hope 
the sound of steps and the creaking of the heavy door on its hinges roused mrs pettibone from a happy vision of herself clad all in bridal white coming slowly down the aisle of a crowded church on the arm of the minister hurriedly she rose to her feet the thrill of that realized dream flooding her face with radiance in the doorway stood the tall stout figure of a woman regarding her fixedly out of dull dark eyes End of chapter 5